2: What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my co-host, Jack Manuel. Jack, what's up?
1: Man, I woke up to some quotes, Nick.
2: Yeah, media day is popping in Brooklyn, obviously, Big talk from Kyrie, Katie, DeAndre, Karis, Spencer, throughout the roster, a lot of interesting stuff. As always, quick reminder, you can find the show on iTunes, BlockTalkRadio, otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube. Also had to Design Tree, Slash Off The Glass. Grab yourself a Brooklyn Buzz Tee with discount code OTG5 to save yourself $5. But, Jack, get us started.
1: All right. I guess we start with uh, the big one, how they, how this all happened, Kyrie, Katie. It was a group chat, apparently four sixteen. Um, I think DeAndre was saying to thank Apple. I yes. Mean, the, the, these guys are trying to get that uh, that new Apple uh, iPhone 11 Pro, I'm guessing. Um, but I'll, I'll go by Kevin Durant, what he said. I mean, we were like, are you ready to do it? And everybody was like, yeah. I could think try to think of something deeper, but it really wasn't. Uh, and then Kyrie said, just talking about our futures and how this opportunity ahead of us is something that we haven't had in our careers. The ability to make a choice, sitting down, actually talking in detail about the future and the investment we had in each other and the investment we wanted to have in Brooklyn. So it made sense all around. And then having the incredible people they have in the organization made it much easier. It made us feel like all-stars
2: yeah I mean and then I also thought what DeAndre said was really funny he's like I can make up a story it's not as crazy as when I was locked in my house in Dallas yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know I think you know it really sticks out this was the decision they wanted to make I think that's one thing you really got from the media day is this is a decision they wanted to make you know that's Kyrie Katie and DeAndre and they've wanted to play together for some time and like you mentioned the FaceTime and uh, DeAndre also mentioned how they like FaceTime on a regular basis and I've talked about this for years and this is really their first opportunity where it just happened they all free agents. And the way that Brooklyn has treated their players really stuck out to them, and especially to Kyrie. He mentioned like the first thing he, when he was there, you know, they wanted to quote unquote protect him and they really wanted to make his family feel, you know, involved with the Brooklyn Nets organization. And that really stuck out to him.
1: Yeah, I remember him saying that immediately after, you know, his family was called. And it's been a a hallmark of the the culture that Sean Marks has tried to build in terms of the inclusive environment. We heard it, you know, from the likes of Jared Dudley, Damari Carroll, Ed Davis. You know, every single person that has been on this Nets roster since uh, these these two have come in, they've made it, you know, they've made it feel like that they aren't just basketball players. And Kyrie mentioned that too. Um, he mentioned the fact that, you know, he saw us as just people. Like, you know, he saw us as, as parts of families, as human beings. And I think we we've spoken about that as well. I've spoken about that in general. Now, I think I spoke about it on JBT probably a little bit more in depth in in, in the topic, uh, for the Music Manuel well scale. But the fact that these guys are are seen as sort of commodities and just athletes and I think that we do that a lot as well I think we we discuss a little bit with Kyrie and KD I think probably more with KD because he's been more vocal but Kyrie making himself known and opening himself up as a person today just as a general term before he gets more of the quotes Nick was just something uh, really illuminating uh, really thoughtful and really I I mean if you want to endear yourself to fans in the NBA media there's going to be haters about this um, I know Bill Simmons already is, um, but I mean, you know, just, just just shut up because it it was awesome.
2: Yeah, it really was. And I mean, like the human factor definitely played a part in joining the Nets. And you could tell Kyrie also really wanted to join the Nets for the ties he had to the organization from being a fan as a child and having those memories. He said it was a dream come true. But like you said, the Nets really value their players and that's not just on the court. They value them as humans and make sure they're taken care of. And it's obviously something that's really stuck out to them. And if you yeah, like, if you just saw Kyrie's quotes today in the press conference and everything on Media Day, you would think this guy is like the perfect media person. But then you look back at last year; it seems like he's really grown as a human and has understood kind of what it takes in the NBA and how he's kind of perceived.
1: Yeah, I think that the formative experience um, through all of that Nick was the passing of his grandfather. He made a yep. real point of that. Um, and, you know, we talked about a little bit before we jumped on, you know, he took responsibility, you know, he said in terms of being a leader in that environment, being Boston, I failed. Um, but I think he had every reason to fail because of the. Uh, the hardship that he endured in terms of dealing with the grief of his grandfather's passing, you know, he said early in the season, you know, he, it was a four minute, you know, uh, video. And I suggest everyone go out there and search it because I'm not going to be able to ably succinct it in, in a, in a well enough manner to, to summarize what, how thoughtful Kyrie was, but he talked about taking responsibility for, for, uh, for being a, a, a poor leader throughout the season and also realigning his priorities, realizing what truly mattered to him. Um, uh, he, no ill will towards Boston, Danny Age and the organization, players like Terry Rozier and Marcus Smart, who they said were trying to do, Everyone was drumming up sort of this speculation between all those sort of guys. It just didn't necessarily fit. Um, and the fact that Kyrie was able to Give us this reason. I think a lot of people are going to be unsatisfied with it because it's it's a real life human reason <laughs> rather than this sort of behind the scenes bullshit where, like, you know, there's something that's less deep and, and less thoughtful and less meaningful. But um, it shows that Kyrie was going through grief and dealing with grief at the same time as trying to um, be the fullest and, and best potential athlete that you can be um, and try and focus your life. It was difficult for him. And I can't imagine how difficult it must have been.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, you mentioned this. A lot of Boston fans are kind of taking shots at him for it. But, like, if you're a human and you've never really lost anybody and you lose somebody really close to you – it can impact people in crazy ways. You know, it can really just make you feel a certain way. And he said it just messed with his connections with other people. And he just had this closed-minded attitude. And he didn't really know how to handle things. And if you look back on kind of the way he acted, you could kind of see how it sticks out that something was going on in his personal life. And he's mentioned that multiple times. Personal life issues impacted him last season. And he wasn't able to kind of handle them the way he had hoped. And at least he admitted that. And he said about when he went and got some help to deal with this stuff. And that's important. Hopefully, it can help him grow even more.
1: Yeah, and I I think he he mentioned that it sucked the joy a a lot out of things. Um, And I think when you have something so mentally taxing um in a relationship and, and he seems to just express the the, the fullest uh, and the the weights that it sort of um it, it put on him and the burden that it put on him in such a way that it didn't really allow him to sort of be fully present and i know when you're dealing with a lot of mental health stuff just from personal experiences it's hard to sort of just re-engage with life in the fullest manner and you know when you're going through grief and, and the passing of someone incredibly close to you You know, he mentioned the fact that, you know, it happened very early in the season, you know, obviously the quote about him sort of wanting to come back if they'd have him, but, you know, from that sort of point onwards, he, he sort of just realized that this is what mattered. And, you know, he even said himself, there was this look on my face throughout the season. So you could, he acknowledged the fact that, you know, he wasn't the happiest version of Kyrie Irving. Um he certainly seems rejuvenated um which is a positive thing um and, and everything you know i think one thing i guess i'll get to the next quote and saying he's trying to prove people right that i'm the next one to take over the league for the next few years
2: i like it i like the confidence and you could you mentioned him being happy he looked like the happiest guy at media day it was straight smiles and just like laughs across the board you saw him engaging with his teammates And I'm telling you, he seemed really, really excited. I think people didn't really understand the fact how big of a Nets fan he was as a child because it seemed like those memories mean a lot to him. Not only just the memories of watching the game, but probably the memories of, you know, with his dad watching the Nets and just growing up and kind of wanting to be with that. And he said, you know, this is something I wish that happened, you know, fourth grade. It was a dream of mine and it came true. So... It was awesome. And I think, you know, getting back to the quote you just mentioned, I think there there is a competitiveness to him. And like I mentioned, you know, all summer long on these Brooklyn Buzz pods is, you know, he's got a chip on his shoulder. Everyone's been talking bad about him for the last couple of months and saying, you know, all these things. And he probably has a sour taste in his mouth for the way that his last playoff games win. And I think even Spencer did when he said, you know, something that you mentioned earlier on the hot take marathon, dark horse MVP candidate.
1: Yeah, I think Pete Kyrie could certainly be in their conversation. You know, I was listening to an ESPN pod and someone said that Kemba Walker could be in the MVP conversation. I'm like, look, I understand that Kemba Walker in Boston, it's going to probably come down to the success of the two teams, but I think talent overall, Kyrie Irving is just so much better. and I think he's he wants to to prove that to himself, to his teammates, to the people around him, um, and I think he certainly feels comfortable. And he mentioned, you know, Spencer Dillardy in that fact that he was a core piece into making him feel comfortable. And... I think Spencer, I think he said to the to the Yes um, Network, I, I think I'm, I'm not going to quote this directly, Nick, but he said it was overblown, um, the sense of, of the relationship between him and Kyrie. And, you know, they met at the Skills Challenge and uh, they played against each other in high school and it sort of just was would help build from there. It wasn't necessarily he was the number one recruiting piece.
2: Yeah, he's yeah. Spencer said it, you know, that he wasn't the number one recruiting piece. He had an impact, you know, Kyrie would ask him questions about Brooklyn, but it wasn't like, you know, he's out here like working really hard trying to sell a pitch on the Nets. You know, it's just kind of like, hey, Kyrie's got questions about the team. We develop a relationship over the last couple of years and kind of we connect on a different level and it just seemed to work out.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess well, we'll get to a couple of KD ones. He says he thought about the Warriors, Clippers and the Knicks for a couple seconds before deciding (laughs) on the Nets. I'm like, a couple seconds. Come on, KD. It can't be that quick, my dude.
2: I mean, I guess, by the way, a lot of this sounded from KD, DeAndre, and Kyrie. It just seemed like Brooklyn was the top choice all along. And, I mean, a lot of people didn't think that throughout the year. We've kind of mentioned it. It was a dark horse. But it seemed like these guys really saw what the Nets were doing across the league, you know, from the player perspective. A lot of them mentioned the player development and how they treat their players and how they've gotten better each year. So... Maybe it really was something where, you know, the Nets were the favorite. Katie also mentioned when he was researching Kenny Atkinson, they asked him if he had, like, uh, done some more research on any other coaches. He said it was just mostly Kenny. So that kind of tells you that the focus was on the Nets from the start.
1: Yeah, I think the quote from, and I got it from Anthony Puccio, I was watching a lot of YouTube videos on Kenny Atkinson, and I really like his craft as a coach, I didn't really do research on any other coaches like you said Nick, so I guess he always had the leg up, mentions how Kenny is genuine in pre and post game talks.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of players can appreciate Kenny because he is so obsessed with basketball and his work ethic is crazy. And also, I think Katie mentioned his uh, hands-on approach. I think that was on the uh, Yes broadcast. So having a coach like that is definitely a big plus for the organization if it's going to help you bring in top players in the NBA, and they respect that. And Kyrie also mentioned, you know, he uh, he liked the fact that Kenny's really honest and will tell you direct.
1: Yeah, I think that a lot of, you said off the buzz, you know, that how, and I think I've mentioned as well, um, you know, the relationship between Kenny and the stars is going to be a huge sort of factor going forward. And, you know, we've seen Kenny um, to an extent, you know, guide a lot of younger players and these sort of, you know, the land of sort of misfitted pieces in terms of developing these players into to really capable NBA players. But the next step of him as a coach is how to guide these stars and, You know, Brad Stevens had a little bit of a tough time with Kyrie. Obviously, there were a lot of extenuating circumstances, uh, but we know Coach Kenny and Coach Atkinson is a a completely different kettle of fish. But uh, Kevin Durant was saying in relation to sort of the stuff that we touched on a little bit earlier, Nick, the great thing about the NBA is teams are investing more and more in players, whether it's mentally or physically. I wouldn't say it's better than any other team, better, better than any other team, but it's at the top of the line.
2: Obviously, uh, it's a big that they're also investing in mental and physical health because obviously, it seems like that's something that you know teams in the past haven't spent enough time worrying about how the players feel as humans. They're just worried about the play on the court.
1: Yeah, and Adam Silver made it a point, and it, it showed tremendous awareness as just an executive to realize the the state of just society in general. Um, obviously, mental health is probably one of the the number one afflictions when it comes to to young males in in today's society I know especially in the UK and Australia I'm, I'm sure it's as prevalent if not more uh, in America as well and obviously just the nature of the of the business in terms of social media and everything and how that affects uh, the day-to-day uh, inner workings of these players and you know Kevin Rand obviously has a huge priority of it we know Kyrie does these guys uh, I think we we now know because these guys are almost bigger than the game and, and the superstars are bigger than the game and uh, their priorities lie beyond um, just playing basketball and winning championships because, you know, Kyrie's done it already, you know, Katie's done it already. So now, you know, they, they wanted to just have that opportunity. And I think Kyrie mentioned that at length too. Um, he, he just, the fact that they had that opportunity to sort of get together and over that phone call, it was just like, let's just do it.
2: Yeah, and it seemed like, you know, you mentioned they've done the other things. And Kyrie mentioned this in Net- Yes Network interview that it's like all these things are so great. We get to play basketball every day. And then I had to like that youthful part of you always kind of wants to play with your friends. And they finally get to do it. And you could just see the happiness. And it also, I think DeAndre and Katie mentioned how like Kyrie's the East Coast guy. And these guys are both not from here. Both, I think. You know, Katie's from Washington, but he played, you know, most of his time in the Midwest and then obviously in the West Coast with Golden State. You know, DeAndre played with the Clippers and obviously in Texas, and that's where he's from as well. Now he's on the East Coast and Kyrie's like, yo, I'll take care of you guys. And it just is, he said, it kind of made them even feel more together, just having that family mentality between those three. And then you could kind of feel it with the whole team. There was a lot more like relationships than you necessarily would anticipate for all these new pieces on the team.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of people have, besmirch that just notion of wanting to play with your friends wanting to create that sort of family vibe and enjoy your life just purely for the fact of you You know having that because you want to and and then there's a lot of people like you know why is KD aligning himself with Kyrie Irving this sort of volatile superstar who can blow up at any minute and where it's just like I'm pretty sure Kevin or Kyrie I can't remember who it was one or the other that said like he's my best friend yeah Kevin. Kevin said Kyrie was his best friend yeah who would if you had the opportunity to spend months and months on end doing your job with your best friend, like if we got paid full time, Nick, to to do this and I we would got to travel around the country and do this for six months and, you know, do everything else together, I'd probably do it and if I was given that opportunity.
2: Yeah, I'd probably do it at a low rate too. I wouldn't, yeah. you know, like, because you get to do something that you really want to do. And, like, with your friends, it's just so much better because you're able to enjoy moments and connect on different things. And then also, like, this is a part of the NBA that people don't necessarily think about is all the downtime. Like, you do play all these games, obviously, 41 road games, but it's the time in the hotels, on the plane, going to restaurants, going to different events and things. And when you're with your friends, it's just more enjoyable.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the games last 40, 48 minutes, you know, two yeah. and a half hours. With, with games in between. And obviously, despite the fact that it is an incredibly long season, the amount of time spent on the court is is minimal in comparison to the time that you sort of mentioned, Nick. But um, in terms of Kyrie's desire to be in Brooklyn, and I guess we all sort of knew this because we discussed it at length in, in many, many, many free agency previews for The Buzz, uh, Kyrie said he's grateful to be in, be in Brooklyn. He reached out to them early in free agency and told him his interest in signing was high and he had other players he wanted to bring with him.
2: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And like I said, I think this really goes back to him wanting to be playing for the Nets. And then also, you know, you mentioned his grandfather passing away, how that really impacted him. And one thing he started to realize, he needed to prioritize family and being close to home, obviously being from New Jersey, Brooklyn, not too far, that kind of stuck out to him. And then obviously bringing friends. I want to say not only did he bring Kevin Durant and DeAndre, I think he was a main component of Garrett Temple joining the team as well.
1: Okay, what makes you say that?
2: He mentioned Garrett Temple like in passing in one of his quotes, and it just stuck out. And it would make sense because Garrett Temple was also one of the guys that was announced as a signing before free agency actually started.
1: Interesting. Um, obviously, you know there wasn't a heap of Garrett Temple talking. When you have <laughs> Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it's it's going to probably go to the wayside just a little bit. Um, but I think the big talking point that uh, everyone has been talking about is is Irving's comments in relation to Kevin Durant, Nick, and. Um, I can't really summarize summarize this in in succinctly enough, but I'll go via Brian Lewis um, and his suite. We all know Kay wasn't ready. We ended up putting him on the stage to sell a product that was put before his health and put before his health is in uh, parentheses. Uh, there was more to this, and what am I missing?
2: Yeah, I mean, he just kind of talked about how like you know, sometimes players get pushed and that would never happen here and that Kyrie's going to protect Kevin and make sure nothing ever like that happens to him in Brooklyn and, like, no one's pressuring in the Nets organization. I will say Kevin Durant later on, someone asked him what he thought about Kyrie saying that. He's like, you know, a lot of people try to protect me after that and I appreciate it, but I do make my own decisions. So he, yeah. he's still taking accountability for getting injured and not putting on Golden State.
1: Of course, and I think when... You see your best friend getting hurt, you're always going to be like, man, I hate the guys that sort of yeah. – even even somewhat a part of that situation. So you're always going to think about, you know, well, if, if he was with me, that shit wouldn't have happened in the first place. I think that that's just a more of a best friend thing. And, and obviously, um, it's going to get blown out of proportion. And we've already – you know, that we've had some people adding us on Twitter. Thanks, UK Clipper. Um, and it's probably a quote that we could dissect at length but you know we've no KD's comments and i think those are the comments that we need to take um most um most seriously you know he's the one that said it, he's put it to rest um he's a man at the end of the day he, he wanted to be out there uh but it's interesting to see that Kyrie's already sort of thinking in this sort of brooklyn way where it's just like the, this sort of conservative approach um were there any sort of other talk related to to Kevin Durant's Achilles, and guys, now I saw some stuff on Facebook himself ruling out the possibility of returning in 2019. 20 is that true? Uh,
2: it wasn't really. I mean, uh, S- S- Stefan Bundy, I think, asked him if you know what he thought about Sean Mark saying that they didn't expect him to play, and he said like you know me and Sean talk a lot since I've been here. And if Sean said it, you know, Sean said it or something like nothing like really clear and evident that, you know, he's not playing this season. Obviously, he's not going to jump out and be like, yeah, I'm definitely playing and going against his GM on his first media appearance with the team. But uh, I did see Christian Winfield of I think the New York Daily News mentioned that Katie was moving really well for someone who's recovering from Achilles injury.
1: Yeah, um, obviously, we I think we just we talked about this a little bit on the last episode in terms of. That there's going to be days in your free agency, no, days not your free agency, days in your recovery from an injury where there's going to be good days and bad days. And I think that when you're in front of the media, you're going to want to put it on just probably a little bit, not give them too much. You know, if you're walking with a limp, uh, you know, everyone's going to dissect that to the end of <laughs> yeah. So I think that, you know, it's all it was always going to be more the positive side. You know, he's going to be putting it on uh, in the positive sense rather than, than the opposite. But uh, I guess the other big one, and I guess, um, Funnily enough, because I'm interacting with, this is hilarious because literally as we're recording, Matt and AQ, I already see Kyrie and Katie quotes getting sliced and diced every which way. Going to have to get used to it. I'm like, we're doing it right now in the buzz. He says, son's fine. I hope my tweet makes the pod. It did. <laughs> it there did. you go, Matt and AQ. At least uh,
2: we're breaking it down in a good way. Everyone else is trying to take pieces of their quotes and especially Kyrie's who a lot of his... Uh, his answers to the questions that he was asked by the media were very long and be easy to take one sentence out of there and try to make clickbait.
1: Yeah, I mean, I know for JBT, we take we take a lot of quotes and put them on our podcast, and obviously we want to get the the content out there as quick as possible. So, I mean, if we had the time, we would do it a lot more thoughtfully, a lot more quickly, with, with some more deeper analysis. But I think that this makes for a, a, a better sort of show, getting the content out there. And shout out to Matt Nicky, you know, a, a former co-host of the show uh, at one point in time as well. Um, but Nick, the other sort of big one is that. That the, the plan is that Kyrie and Katie want to finish their careers in Brooklyn.
2: I was pumped to hear that. I mean, you kind of got that idea before when Katie did that interview um, with the Wall Street Journal, and he mentioned how, you know, he picked seven because on the seventh day, God completed, you know, the earth or whatever, and now you're hearing this from Kyrie that they want to complete their careers in Brooklyn. And Kyrie also mentioned they want to build something here. It's not just about, you know, like one season or just like this stint. It's like we want to build this team. So, I think it's a real possibility they could finish their career. Obviously, this is not—they haven't even played a game in that's uniform. But positive things to hear.
1: Definitely, um, and an even more positive thing to hear was the quote tweet from Bill Simmons: "If Kyrie and Katie actually end their careers together, I will change my Twitter avatar to a picture of Kobe and Artis ecstatically hugging right after the 2010 Finals ended." <laughs> He's so salty.
2: Honestly, a lot of Boston fans are extremely salty. And, like, in some extent, I understand, like, it didn't work out with Kyrie. But, guys, people have the right to make a decision and join whatever team they want to join. And, like, hey, let's be honest. The Nets have helped up the Boston franchise just enough. Like, they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown thanks to the Nets.
1: Essentially. Um, and I love the, the best part about seeing like semi-famous people quote tweet or get salty is the mentions. And um, <laughs> someone, someone did a screenshot of a, of an old tweet from Bill Simmons. I'd like to thank the Cavs one more time for trading us Kyrie Irving. I'd like to thank the Boston Celtics one more for imploding. So Kyrie Irving could come to the Brooklyn Nets.
2: Yeah. hey, I I'll give him a shout out for that. Appreciate
1: it. Uh, it was, it was big time of them, but I guess we'll get to some <laughs> other stuff, Nick. Um, Rodion says the Nets would like him to model his game after Draymond Green. Um, he says that he weighs 230 pounds. Uh, we'll put aside the, the stuff relating to, to the case. He said that he can't talk about it. Obviously, there's legalities involved, so there's nothing really to analyze there. But on that quote alone, Nick, uh, it's everyone wants to model themselves after Draymond Green as this sort of prototypical switchy defender. He's one of the greatest, most versatile defenders in the history of the game. Uh, how much do you buy into this comment from Rodion's?
2: Uh, It's tough to say they're like saying, you know, design your game after Draymond Green completely or just be that type of player that, you know, utility player that can really help out your team. Obviously, Draymond does it at, you know, a star level. But I think it's not the worst idea for Rodion's. I think there's obviously areas that he would need to substantially improve, like his basketball IQ. Obviously, just not playing a ton of basketball he needs to develop there. But working with guys like Kyrie and KD will really help that. I also think Draymond's a really good passer, so Rodion's has a long way to go with that. But in terms of, like, the chippiness, being a really good defender, I think Rodion's has that potential, especially if he adds on more size. You know, the hustle plays fast break type of stuff like I can see Rodion's in a really good utility role moving down the line like that's you know I don't think he'll ever be an all-star type player you never know but I think that would be a great design for him to go for
1: yeah utility role Um, I'm hoping he can be he can make up you know obviously for the lack of defensive acumen that Dremon Green has by being a better three-point shooter Um, if he can maintain or you know obviously he wasn't great from that area um he was good at times um but he Shreaky. at least looked confident. He was streaky. Uh, and I think he's a rookie. He was always going to be streaky. But he at least looked confident for the most part. And I think for me, that's more important than than the streakiness. How confident were you in taking them? Uh, I think all these guys have said they were practicing their threes. I think Spencer Didwood, he made it a point of the fact that he's yep. going to be practicing his threes. We'll be dissecting his player preview. A um, uh, one little tidbit. He does need to improve from that area. Despite the fact that he is a good three-point shooter, the numbers don't necessarily reflect it. But yeah, I like the fact that, I think the utility role, like the Nets have a lot of these sort of guys that can be considered like a utility. I consider Karos Levert almost a utility and utility isn't necessarily a a, a negative sort of aspect. It's just because you are so versatile that you you can't get boxed into guard, forward, center. It's just you have this flexibility about you that allows you to play multiple positions and you have defensive and offensive skills that are just all sort of lifts and and allows you to play better in in that sort of sense. So uh, I'm excited to see hopefully... Um, an improvement from uh, from Rodeons as a three-point shooter and, and defensively as well. I think he showed some really really nice signs there last season.
2: And Torian Prince mentioned he thinks one reason this team could be so dangerous is because there's so many guys that are versatile They can do so many things on the floor. You know, a lot of the guys one through four can do a lot of different things from scoring to passing to bring the ball up. So that's the type of team where it just makes it really hard to defend when, you know, the other team can attack you from so many different ways.
1: Definitely. Absolutely. Um, and I guess we'll get to a DeAndre Jordan quote Uh, in relation to the next season ahead. We don't want to wait. This isn't a practice season or a trial season. A lot of people have been saying that. Uh, We want to go now.
2: Yeah, I like it. I like the mentality. I mean, I really love DeAndre Jordan today. Like the, The attitude he had at media day also, just joking around with a lot of teammates. You can see he's developing a relationship, but he talked about being really competitive with Jared Allen too and kind of pushing each other. And it seems like He's about this season. He knows, like, he's been in the NBA long enough that, you know, you don't want to ever waste a season. You never know what can happen. And A lot was talked about today. Mostly the media asked this, you know, the NBA being so wide open, the Nets can kind of, like, really compete because there isn't necessarily the favorites out there.
1: Yeah, and I guess I'll, I'll get to that direct quote in terms of you talking about it with Jared Allen. Now, he said he's been great. He's a paint protector, sacrifices his body, and is learning the game. We are going to bring the best out of each other.
2: Yeah, and I really think so. I mean, like, they're going to compete on a daily basis. We saw that one photo where you couldn't even tell who's blocking who. And both these guys, Jared Allen, can learn a ton from uh, DeAndre Jordan. And this is something that KD mentioned. I think this has an impact, too. The young energy sometimes can help the older players kind of push themselves to be better, too.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And I think that all of these guys can hopefully elevate each other in a way um, that, uh, brings the best out of each other, and it's not going to be, you know, sort of linear growth. Um, there are going to be, you know, bumps and bruises along the way. It's a long A2 game season, um, but it seems that the chemistry that Spencer Dimity and we sort of dissected a little bit uh on the pod last time is already starting to build and this is the first step and it's always a little bit rosy when it's at media day and you've got the microphones in front of your face you're obviously going to be saying all the right things but when the when the games start to play uh, that's when it, it really starts to sort of click in but uh positive signs ahead i guess um nick will touch a little bit on d'angelo russell uh and kyrie was sort of saying uh, if we watched d last year he really elevated himself and carried this team he cited D'Angelo as one of the reasons he was attracted to Brooklyn in the first place, and he even expected to be uh, playing alongside him.
2: Yeah, I actually did not see that. quote. I saw the portion about him, you know, enjoying watching D. Russ, and he was happy for him to kind of take that jump. And I think it talks about the organization, how, you know, things didn't really work out in LA, but in Brooklyn, D'Angelo was able to hit a different level. And I think that's really attractive to a guy like Kyrie, Kyrie KD, and even DeAndre to an extent, about how much farther they can push their game.
1: Definitely. Um, I I think that we know, we know how big a fan I am of D'Angelo Russell. You know, he provided such amazing content for me in terms of breaking down some video. Um, I wish him nothing but the best. And I listened to Steve Kerr on Zach, um, not Zach, uh, Howard Beck's podcast. And he was excited to coach him as well. Um, It's going to be a fun season, but uh, Nick, Kenny Atkinson says he believes David Nwaba will be playing some time at the four next season. Uh, is David Nwaba essentially going to replace Trevion Graham as that sort of prototypical small ball four?
2: Yeah, that's a real possibility. I think uh, someone else mentioned, it might have been Nats Daily saying that Nwaba looked huge, like extremely muscular. So if he can do it, I mean, it's a grind on your body when you're undersized. But if he's willing to do it, and that's kind of the role he's played, kind of that defensive guy with a lot of tenacity, why not? You know, he's a guy we know he was brought in for his defense and his hustle plays, and maybe the Nets can help him develop uh, further offensively.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I guess in other sort of news, I'm not sure how official this is. I'm going by Christian Winfield um, did, the Nets have been, did the Nets announce that they signed Lance Thomas?
2: They did. They did. It, I believe it's a training camp deal. I don't think it's a you know, fully guaranteed contract or anything like that because there wasn't any notes in terms of Wilson Chandler, but Lance Thomas was at media day. I believe we're at number 42.
1: There we go. Um, what did you think of that decision, Nick?
2: I really like it. You know, we've talked about it before, Lance Thomas being a guy that could be a great fit, not only because he can provide some things on the court, if healthy, which has been a real struggle for him the last couple of seasons, but he's known to be a great guy in the locker room, has really worked to get here. And one thing that KD mentioned, I think, a lot, you know, on this media day was he appreciates guys and their journey to where they've gotten in the NBA. He mentioned Karis, obviously, with the struggles he's had. So I think that's something that KD respects. And a lot of guys in the NBA respect other players that had really earn their spot where, you know, Lance Thomas wasn't just drafted and he landed on a team. He kind of had to keep fighting for a roster spot until he kind of solidified himself.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think it's going to be uh, an, an incredibly positive signing. I think that I, when I w- was ranking them, he was my number one sort of guy, former Nick. Um, hopefully he can make the roster. I think that he'll be a, a nice addition if he does do well at training camp. Um, Nick, I'm, I'm still perusing Twitter to see if I'm missing anything. Anything else you wanted to sort of add on?
2: I think one thing that really stuck out, and you heard this from a lot of guys, was how the, the whole team has been together, other than obviously Joe Harris, who was playing in you know, a USA basketball. It got together in LA, and they really have been, you know, communicating, hanging out, playing ball. And then also, I think Kenny mentioned, you know, the the practice that they've guys have been running, the five-on-five, five, the pickup games, has been really intense. And Kyrie joked, <laughs> like, he really turned up the intensity in, like, one of the games, he picked up Spencer full court. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) and Spencer made a like this makes more sense because Spencer was like yeah it's it's fun playing your teammates but you can only you know I can only play against Kyrie so much so that kind of makes you think that he's been really going hard in these pickup games
1: yeah absolutely um um I wish I was a fly on the wall for some of those things um it's funny right now just literally looking at some of the different quotes and comments and how how ignorant i guess probably maybe it's too strong a word but it's probably an apt word some of the people are in terms of you know people are, are, are writing down or, or posting the video of Kyrie irving uh, and, and his comments and sort of not really just taking it as an excuse i think that the the amount of saltiness of, that some people have I, I mean these people might have might as well be related to just to nether than salt Bay himself it's just seems ridiculous. <laughs> it's just ridiculous it-
2: I mean, big name in the NBA. You get a lot of hate, obviously. Kyrie didn't rub Boston fans the right way. KD's not necessarily the most liked guy in the NBA. So, I mean, the only guy who was really liked that they signed, DeAndre Jordan. I don't think a lot of people hate him, maybe other than, you know, Dallas fans. But then he ended up there anyway,
1: so. Yeah, and at the end of the day, doesn't necessarily matter. But um, it was... Another I mean,
2: another note from today is uh, they did ask a lot, you know, who's really stuck out. Torian Prince was a guy that was mentioned a lot. Also, Karis Lavert again. You know, they mentioned his work ethic and him just ca- continuing to grind this off season.
1: I and mean, then those are positive things. And we know um, when it was spoken about Karis Lavert at length last season, uh, the big splash that he made at the early points of the season. Um, Torian Prince, we know. Um, the coaches singled him out as well. sure. Mark singled him out. I, I think that. We expect him to have a big season heading into that contract year, like we said. Hopefully just to see the defensive side more than anything. Um, we know how good he is as a three-point shooter. Um, but uh, I hope we covered it all. And I mean, if there is anything else, guys, you know, we can do a bonus episode for you maybe down the line. Uh, hit us up in the DMs at the J-Man, JBT at OTG, Nick. But so much to dissect and uh, we haven't even begun the games yet.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like, to be honest, like, not even all the quotes are out there. So there is a possibility we might do a part two of Media Day for some of the other guys that didn't necessarily get the hype on the first couple hours because, I mean, right now we're recording 6.42 Eastern Time, and Media Day started at 10.30 this morning. So (laughs) I'm sure plenty more stuff will drop, but, Jack, always a pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Be sure to check out the show, iTunes, Talk Radio, gbasketballcom
3: netsrepublic.com, Dash Radio, Google Play, and YouTube.